I'm just going to throw it at you. Like Patrick Mahomes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But if you didn't get it, please do go get it because we're going to have communion at some point. So um, we've got that for you. But yeah, please run and get it while I'm talking. We've got a bunch of announcements, cool things going on here at Southwest today. If you're looking in front of you, you should have one of these cards. It's in every single seat in front of you where the Bibles are normally. So if you get one of these, you can get on our website, which is still under construction, but we're getting there. And if you scan that QR code, you can help with that. I know some people's phones are different and all you really need is your camera. So scan it and then you can have like live updates, you can have push notifications all that kind of cool stuff from our website and from Southwest and can communicate with you that way. So grab that if you want to. There's also ways to talk with us on there. Just let us know any questions that you have, put your name, your address, your phone number. We'd love to get to know you. I think that's the coolest part about church. We see a lot of lonely people in the world and we want this to be a place that feels together and feels like community because we love you guys. We're so happy you're here. We're happy if you're tuning in online. And um, we've just got a couple things going on here. Serve day is going to be here at the church. They've got a, a slide for it, and you can see that's going to be on October 15th. So if you'd love, we would love to have come, have you come and just help clean, help, help put everything up for fall. Um, it's going to be a good time. So if you see that, go ahead and sign up. You can RSVP to Kim Jackson. You can see it online. Um, and then we're also going to have our midweek service every week in October. So come Wednesday nights. It's always a huge blessing just to be able to come and it's a little more relaxed on Sunday morning. We do some worship and do some teaching, and we'd love to have you there. So um, before we get started with the rest of our worship, I'm so tired. I'm sorry. I just, like, there's so much baby in here. I'm just trying to, like, take deep breath. <laughs> These are our ways to give at our cool church that I'm just so being so hilarious at right now. So um, please check it out if there's ways that you want to give to Southwoods. Everything you do. I've been here since I was 13, guys. Like, they do awesome stuff. They do so many cool things with everything that you give and God blesses us through tithing and through giving back. Um, so please just feel um, free to give as God has blessed you. And I'd like you to stand back up. I'm going to catch my breath and we're going to do another song. <laughs>
going to take some communion. So if you didn't get it, I can throw it at you right now. Anybody? <laughs> we just want to take a couple minutes and just really focus on, on Jesus and who he is. And I think sometimes, I know I'm bad about skipping over like what this actually means and what it looks like. Jesus took his disciples and set them apart the night before he died and, and gave them this. And he said, remember me. It's his body and his blood. And I think sometimes we get kind of grossed out. Like we were joking last week that, or two weeks ago that maybe we should have like a fondue fountain. Like here's the, here's the blood is the fondue. And like, we're gonna have like the little crackers and like, that's funny, right? But I think that sometimes like, I forget like how important this is how good he is. I tend to get anxious, especially pregnant. There's a lot to think about and like over and over and over, I hear these songs of worship and I'm able to connect with the God who loves me, who's here for me. Like he is Lord. We don't have to be afraid. If you don't personally know him, like find out like any of us will tell you. He changed my life. He continually changes my life day after day. Like not every day is good, but God is good. He can make up for all the rest. So I just encourage you, whatever you're going through or whatever you brought in with you today, that you would just like give that to him. I think sometimes we ask you guys to set it aside, but like really God wants that. He wants that from us. And he's like, I will carry you. You are my kid and I love you. So let me pray for us. I just encourage you to spend some time giving to God whatever you have, whatever you need. He is there. His presence is here and he loves you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for being good. God, we know that you are righteous, but Father, like knowing that we are your kids, and that you see us as that when we believe in Jesus. God, that's so important. Father, help us not forget. Help us to remember that you shed your blood on a cross to literally save us, to bring us close to you in a way that only you could do, that we could not achieve on our own. Father, just be with us this morning and bless us. God, let us feel your presence, even if everything else in the world is going wrong. God, let the peace that comes with your Holy Spirit rest heavy on us this morning. Thank you for being a good God that loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and take communion.
Well, good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you who are on site, you who are online, thrilled that you're with us. How many of you have been to Florida before? Most of us, many of us have. You ever notice that there are condominiums in Florida everywhere? You ever notice that they're just everywhere? Lots of folks have purchased condominiums there as a place to retire or periodically vacation so they get away from the modern day stresses of life. And, but on June of last year, June 24th of 2021, a number of those people's getaway dream became a nightmare. If you uh, remember in the news, early one summer day last year, June 24th of 21, uh, the foundation of a luxury high-rise condo building in Surfside, Florida, failed. And uh, the entire building collapsed into the parking garage, which was below it. Uh, this is what it looked like. The first picture was it before the collapse. This was it after the collapse. It was a total disaster. Nearly 100 people died. People were frightened all over the state. I mean, you, you can imagine condo associations all over the state having emergency meetings, hiring engineers to come in and say, come check our condo for why this might have happened. And when the structural engineers were finally able to carry out an investigation of this particular condo and figure out why the tower had imploded, here was their conclusion. And it was giant, of course, but it was shrunken down. Their conclusion was this. Rampant corner cutting had taken place when the building's foundation was laid. They just cut too many corners. That's what they'd done when they built the foundation of this particular condo. So the, con the consequence of that, I mean, the foundation was weak, compromised. Last week, we learned from Jesus that buildings and lives are only as strong as the foundations they're built on. And so if that's true, you're just wise if you build on a firm foundation. That's why Jesus teaches his followers this in Matthew 7, verse 24 and 27. We looked at last week. We're going to read the verses again this week. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, notice the two things. We're to listen, right? But then it's not enough to just hear it. Anyone who listens and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand, and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus, who was a master builder before he started teaching and healing and saving people. It wasn't, he was 30 when he began his ministry. He was a builder before all of that. And he was well acquainted with the importance of constructing buildings and lives on a firm foundation. He was not talking in theory. He was talking practical experience and understanding. This is what he was doing. So in his process of discipling Peter, James, John, and the other followers of his, Jesus talked a lot about how to build a life on a firm foundation, a foundation that won't collapse under the weight of the pressures of life. 
Today we're going to strengthen the foundation of our lives some more. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But we're going to strengthen the foundation of our lives some more this morning by listening to and learning from Jesus a little more on this subject. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open it with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Prior to this passage, we're going to read. Uh, Jesus had been traveling and teaching with his disciples throughout the towns, throughout the villages of the upper Galilee. You know where the Sea of Galilee is in the northern part of the nation of Israel. You go north and kind of east up in there, and the, it's what we would think of today as the Golan Heights. I mean, it's up in that area that he'd been teaching and traveling around with his disciples. And Matthew 16, verse 13 tells us that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Some translations say you're the Christ, because they mean the same thing. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which the writer kind of puts in parentheses for the sake of some of the readers who don't know their Aramaic. Peter means rock, or know their Greek. Peter means rock. So I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm going to ask you if you would, let's just pause together right here. Let's just lift up a prayer for God to make his word here live for us in a way that will strengthen the foundation of our souls and our lives. Okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your word, we thank you for this moment in history that took place many years ago. We thank you for what you revealed to Peter, what you want to reveal to us through this moment in time, through this experience and encounter that he had with you. Our request is, Lord, that you will strengthen the foundation of our lives. And as you made him in the confession he made and the church that resulted from all of this and the months and years that followed, as you made those rocks that all of society and our world has been built on, God, we want that kind of foundation to be ours individually. So would you open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, would you speak to us, and by way of your spirit and your word, would you strengthen us as only you can. This is our request. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, in these verses, Jesus reveals the foundation of life. You may not have noticed it as we read it because it's, it's there, but we don't always see it. But he's laying out here the foundation for life, not just a life that's going to last 70 or 80 years. He's laying out here a foundation for an everlasting, eternal kind of life. And we learn from Jesus that there are really three components to a firm foundation for the eternal kind of life, the lasting kind of life. 
I'm going to highlight each of those components for the next few minutes, and I hope as I do that that you'll listen really carefully, and more than just listening, because it's not enough to listen according to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, right? I hope that you'll listen doing a little internal investigation of the relative health, wellness, and strength of the foundation of your life, and if there are corrections that need to be made, you and I will have the wisdom in these moments to hear what he says and humble our hearts and do whatever reconstruction is necessary in the heart and soul, the foundation of our lives so that, so that our lives can withstand the pressures, the storms that are inevitable in life because they are going to come our way. The first component of a firm life foundation, according to Jesus in these words, is this. It's He is the first component of a firm life foundation. He's the first one. Knowing Christ is the very first part, the first component of a firm life foundation. Take that out of the equation. Uh, you just, it's not going to, it's not going to stand. If we had time, we could, we, I could take you through numerous passages. He's not just the foundation, he's the cornerstone of the foundation, which is, it, it, think of it in terms of footings. You know, we, we, build a, we build a foundation nowadays, and you put your footers in, and, and then, you, then you erect the foundation walls on top of that, really, is how we generally construct. But, but he's the footers. I mean, he's the beginning of a foundation that's firm enough to survive the storms that are going to come our way in life. And Jesus points this out in the text, but he's indirect in the way that he communicates it. And so consequently, it's not always clear to us, but it's really clear for all of us who have ears to hear and eyes to see what he's saying. In Jesus' dialogue with his disciples, he says this to them. He asks them in verse 13. Look at the verse. He says, who do, and notice the word, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is. What's the world saying? What's the community? What's the word in the media? What's the talk? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. You, you and I can hear those names, and it's easy for us to know who those people are in history if we take the time to read our Bibles and study that, but I want, I want to translate for you, paraphrase, really what they were saying back to Jesus because it sort of makes it clearer what their response was. When Jesus says, who, who do people say that I am? What they were really saying every time they mentioned one of these people, they were saying, well, Jesus, people think that you're a great man. You're a great teacher a great miracle worker, a great prophet, an amazing spiritual leader. You're in a league that's elite among mankind. That's what they were saying to him with every one of these prophets, every one of these people that they were saying, because that's what the people of Jesus' day thought of John the Baptist. That's what they thought of Elijah. That's what they thought of Jeremiah and the other prophets. They were no different in their day than in our day, saying Jesus is a great man. He's a great man. But here's what you have to understand about those men. They were just men. 
right? Only men. And the Bible's really clear that Jesus was a man. He was fully man. But what else? He was more. He was more. Do you notice how Jesus referred to himself in verse 13? Look at it carefully again. Verse 13, Jesus says, Who do people say that... How's he refer to himself here? The Son of Man. Say it a little loud. The Son of Man. Jesus refers to himself several times as this in the New Testament if you read your Bible. And Jesus, when he refers to himself here as the Son of Man... This was not casual comment on his part to do so. Jesus was humbly revealing to his disciples who, by the way, knew their Bibles really well. I mean, sometimes we see the things they do and we think, ah, they, you know, they're kind of naive or whatever, impulsive, whatever. They're, we're all that way. But they knew their Bibles really, really well. And when Jesus said, you know, I'm who do people say that the Son of Man, he was revealing subtly his full identity to them? Something that Jesus' adoptive parents, remember Joseph, remember Mary, remember their angels appearing to her? We'll be talking about that in a few weeks as Christmas comes, right? They're revealing that he's both man and God. Taking flesh. He's subtly revealing this. And to help you see it, I want you to listen to the words of the great prophet Daniel. It's a passage that every one of these disciples knew. Because the prophet Daniel describes in a prophetic vision that he saw of the coming Messiah. He describes it roughly 600 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Listen to what he describes. The scene that he sees in the courtroom of heaven. Okay? In the council of God in the heavens, Daniel writes these words, Daniel 7, verses 9 and following. You can see it on the screen. Daniel describes, I watched as thrones were put in place, and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as wool. His hair was like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Can you imagine the scene of what he's seeing here? And he describes, then the court began its session, and the books were opened. And in verse 13, Daniel continues, he said, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man. Are you with me? I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Some translations say riding the clouds of the heavens. And he approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. How many of the nations of the world? All of the nations of the world, so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. When Jesus referred to himself as who do the people say that the Son of Man 
is. Jesus was humbly, quietly, whispering, really, I'm the cloud rider. I'm the son of man. I'm the one who's been given all authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey me. And my rule is going to be eternal. It will never end, and my kingdom will never be destroyed. Now, truthfully, at this point, at this point in history, Jesus was really glad that the general population didn't understand all that. It didn't hurt his feelings at all. In fact, he went through a lot to kind of keep it all under wraps until the appropriate time. It just kept things simpler that way. But Jesus was truly interested in knowing whether his own followers were getting it. He knew for them, just like for us, it's possible to hang out around him a lot, and familiarity sort of breeds this naive sense that, like, he's just one of us. He's just a normal guy. Oh, he's, you know, he's, he's a great prophet. He's a great man, but he's just one of us. Jesus was concerned, rightfully so. Then, like now, do his followers really get it? Do we really understand who we're hanging out with when we spend time with him? That's why Jesus asked his disciples, verse 15, who do you, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the Bible tells us, answered, you're the Messiah, which means anointed one. The Christ is the same word, just a different translation, original language. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter said this because Peter got it. The others may have connected the dots, too, about who Jesus was, but Peter was the first among the apostles to verbalize it, to give words to it. You know, the first component of a firm life foundation, the first component is clarity of who Jesus is. Who is it that we sing about? Who is it that we pray to? Who is it that we petition for presence and intervention in our lives? Who is it that died on the cross receiving upon himself the punishment for our sins. Who is this? He's the Son of Man and the Son of God. He's the one our Heavenly Father has given all authority, all honor, all power, all sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race, nation, language, tongue would obey him, not so they'd like just acknowledge him so they would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. In fact, the day is coming when his kingdom will come in its fullness on the earth 
just as it is in the heavens. This is the one that is the foundation, the beginning of a foundation for every one of his. He's Lord, he's Son, he's Savior. And if there's any fog in any of our minds, let me just say, now is the time to begin recognizing his authority and confessing your allegiance to him. Not next week or next month or next year, today, now. Get on his good side now. He is not an ordinary man. Which brings us to the second component of a firm life foundation. And that is the good confession that Peter made. It's not enough to just sort of like intellectually know this. It needs to start oozing out of our lives, out of our mouths, out of our lives. As I pointed out a moment ago, Peter was the first among the apostles to verbalize and confess Jesus' true identity, which was no small discovery. I mean, we kind of think of this and just sometimes we're casual about it. We just think, oh, I, you know, sure, you know, he, he makes dead people live. He heals people with crippled arms and legs. I, you know, how, how difficult was this to figure out? Um, a lot of the prophets did miraculous things and nobody thought they were the Son of Man, the Son of God. Nobody really thought that for the most part. I mean, this was no small discovery on Peter's part. In fact, Jesus told Peter in verses 17 and 18, he just looks at Peter when he, when he proclaimed him as the Messiah, the son, of the, the son of the living God. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. And notice this, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Can you imagine hearing that? My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, Petros, Greek, Peter, which means rock. Some of you are familiar with the land, Israel, and nearby, you go to, or just over into Jordan, which was Petra. Remember that? giant, go Google it, you just see this massive rock formation where people carved a whole city into the, into the rocks and it just it's like defies logic. Well, it's, it's like Peter is just, Jesus is saying to Peter, Petros, he's saying, that's like you. You're a rock. It means rocky. Rocky, he could be saying. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and notice what he says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. It sounds like what Daniel sees in his vision. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Time won't allow me to explore all the implications of what Jesus is saying here in verses 17 and 18. Because these two verses, hundreds and hundreds, volumes of books have been written about these two verses. I mean, way more than most of us, uh, certainly mo more than most of us could handle, more than I can handle, honestly. I just look at that and I just, I, it's, it's astonishing the amount that is packed into these verses. But here's what I want to point out for today's purposes. Do you realize the significance of where 
Peter made this good confession. You realize the significance of this moment where Jesus was declared as the Messiah, the Son of the living God by Peter. I mean, they were in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Some of you have been there with us uh, when Lori and I have gone to Israel. They were in Caesarea Philippi. It was an ancient city in northern Israel. It was constructed near an even more ancient place of pagan worship. And it was dedicated, this pagan place of pagan worship, that people came from all over the world, all over the Middle East in those days. They would come there to worship the Greek god Pan. Pan, P-A-N, like your frying pan, only not frying, leave frying out. Pan. Have you ever heard of pantheism? This is... A, this is the idea behind the worship of Pan, and pantheism is the belief that God is anything you want God to be, and everything you see in the universe and nature, it's all God. You, you want to worship it? Have at it. I mean, that's the casual definition of it, but that's what it is on a practical level. It's all God. You can worship any of it that you want however you want. Here's the point. In a place where every false god known to humanity was worshipped and revered by countless multitudes of people, Simon Peter declared exclusively to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. With his lips and his life, Peter declared and confessed his singular allegiance and devotion to Jesus, who had said this about himself in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, he said. Except through me. Our current culture is full of false gods that are worshipped and revered by countless multitudes of people. But have we, like Peter, come to the place where we've confessed and declared our singular allegiance and devotion to Jesus, regardless of what anybody else around us thinks? or does, or dictates, or anything else. That's the good confession, friends. It's not enough to just say the words that, G that Peter said. It's, 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 about, it's about having that singular allegiance and devotion to Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father ever except through Him. I want to ask you, have you made the good confession that believers in Jesus have been making for centuries ever since Peter made his? Have you ever made that confession? Maybe you've believed it your whole life. 
has never verbalized it. And consequently, because we've never verbalized it, it makes it comfortable to be at work and guess what? Never verbalize it. Or be in a soccer game sitting in the stands and never verbalize it or be Will you decide that you will declare with your whole heart, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and He's my Lord, and He's my Savior. My allegiance is to Him and Him alone. If you believe that, I'll give you an opportunity right now to declare it with me. Just to put it into words, just repeat it after me, if you believe it. If you, don't, if you don't, no harm, no foul. I mean, if you don't, don't do it. Keep thinking about it. But if you believe it, just say it out loud with me, all right? Repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, and He's my Lord, and He's my Savior. You know, the second component of a firm life foundation is to make the good confession with one's lips and one's life. It's knowing who is the foundation, and it's coming to a place where I'm making the confession with my lips and my life. And real quickly, the third component of a firm foundation for your life is this. It's the church. It's the church. If we understood what a big deal the church is in God's view of things, if we grasp that, we would understand why one of the devil's great objectives in our era is to get you and separate you from a local fellowship of believers as quickly and as consistently and thoroughly as he possibly can. Because he's disrupting the foundation of your spiritual life. This is a part of the threat during COVID where we couldn't meet. Some of us see people who are talking about that and we just go, oh, they're extremists, they're crazy. No, it's the fact that we don't understand the role, the essential role that church is in every single one of the foundations of our spiritual lives. Do you realize that the church is eternal? It will go on forever. Your bunko group will not. Big difference. A lot of things we include in our lives. And deselect church, we do so at great personal risk. After Peter's good confession, Jesus went on to say in verse 18, listen to this. He says, now I say to you, uh, Peter, that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, this foundation, I will build my what? Church, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Not going to conquer it. 
might conquer you. Running around on your own. You and God. Woohoo! Fighting the powers of darkness. What happens to the wildebeest who gets separated from the group in every nature show you watch? The crocodile gets him, right? Every single time. We watch it and we think, stupid beast. You had it coming. Suppose that's ever entered anyone in the heaven's mind as they watch us wander and flit around among churches, and, you know, like their restaurants, like their fast food joints, and we're not really rooted, we're not really integrated, we're not, we don't really know anybody, we're just sort of taking it all in like it's another Andy's Crows and Custard place. Yeah. You know, it wasn't all that long after Jesus spoke the words to Jesus in this ver or to Peter in this verse that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he ascended to heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the apostles at the feast of Pentecost. And this time, what we find in Acts 2 is that many thousands of people were in Jerusalem at the time, they, at the temple. They heard Peter and the other apostles in a public forum, confess and declare their singular allegiance and devotion to Jesus. And Acts 2, verse 40 tells us that Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners. Thousands of people had gathered by this time in Jerusalem. They're at the south steps of the temple. He strongly urges them, save yourselves from this crooked, some translations say corrupt, generation. Save yourselves, pleading with them for a long time for them to hear this. Verse 41 continues, And those who believed what Peter said were, what's it say? They were baptized. If they believed, they were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Verse 42 tells us all the believers, just pause right there, how many of the believers is it describing here? All of them. All of them who believed devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. All who believed did this. It's worth noting that those who believed and agreed with Peter's good confession, they were baptized, they devoted themselves to these things. They were added, hear me, to the fellowship of confessing believers. That's the church. The fellowship of confessing believers. If you go to a fellowship of people and they're not confessing believers, what are they? If they're not devoting themselves to these things, if they are not singular in their allegiance to Jesus, as, as Peter was and as the, the apostles and all, regardless of what they call themselves, they're not the church. They're not the church eternal. They're not. You know, those who didn't agree with what Peter and the other apostles were saying that day, they didn't bother with baptism. They didn't bother with 
devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing in meals, the Lord's Supper and prayer. They weren't too worried about the corrupt generation they lived in. And you know, ever since that moment in history, Jesus has been building his church, regardless of those who ignore it and go on their way. He's been building his church, and all the powers of hell have been so far unable to extinguish that fellowship of confessing believers. Why do I say so far? Because we still got a ways to go. By faith, I believe that this is true that the powers of hell will be unable to extinguish the faith, the courage, the existence of the church. And you know the evil ones tried really hard. If you look in the world, you know where the church is the strongest in our day you know, right now, some of the strongest places, churches, believers in the world? Iran. Just go to the Middle East, where people literally are having their heads cut off for their faith in Christ. Sort of a lot like the book of Revelation paints the picture. It's just like beheaded. It's just, but the church grows and grows and grows. Why is that? Because Jesus knows what he's talking about. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. The confessing believers who fellowship together as the church. In this crooked and corrupt generation, are you all in? Are you fully devoted to the apostles' teaching? Are you fully devoted to that? Are you fully devoted to the fellowship with with one another? Are you fully devoted to sharing and meals together, including the Lord's Supper? Are you fully devoted to prayer and fellowship with us? as a body of believers, full devotion to the church, the local fellowship of confessing believers, Southwoods for many of us. Okay, let's just cut through it. Southwoods for many of us. Some of you live far away and it's somebody else, someplace else. But it's a third component of a firm life foundation. You want to build your life in such a way that it will last the storms, the wind, the rain, the troubles that will come your way in life. You need Christ in your life. You need the confession on your lips and through your life. And you need a local church where you are devoted with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength because together we are a confessing fellowship of believers in Jesus working together and praying together for the day when his kingdom will come in its fullness and his will will be done on earth as it's done in the heavens. You know, if you're not already all in here or somewhere that's a genuine fellowship of confessing believers. Today is a day, an opportunity for you to decide to confess and declare your allegiance to Christ first and to his church. His church. Not Greg's church. Guess what? Not your church. It's a good thing that isn't Greg's church. And let me just say, it's a good thing it isn't your church. None of us would want to come to 
our own churches. It's Jesus' church. It's His that He shed His blood for. And He wants us to be all in on it. Jesus tells us how to live life on the rock. And he says in Matthew 7, 24, we looked at the verse earlier, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So this morning before we close in prayer, I just got to ask you, have you invited Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, the foundation of your life? If you've been listening this morning, you know who he is. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He is the cloud rider. His kingdom is coming. It will never end. It will supplant all other kingdoms. You don't like our government? Don't worry about it. You don't like some other government in the world? Don't worry about it. His kingdom is coming, and His will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Invite Him to be your Savior, your Lord, now. Have you done that? you done that? So we pray in a few moments. Just invite Him in if you haven't. You need to be baptized. Every belie- 3,000 believers were baptized in Acts 2. Why? Because they confessed. I mean, they believed. They were confessing not just with their lips, but with their life and their body. And just that's part of what baptism is. It's a picture of, of surrender and confession. It's, it's the good confession. It's a picture of it. If you've never been baptized, let us know. We want to help you obey that. Because it's a biblical expectation taught by Jesus, modeled by him. Maybe you need to commit yourself to this local fellowship by getting in a group or using your gifts to somehow serve some others or giving to help support the ministry and efforts of this place or some other way that the Holy Spirit is prompting you that you just need to commit yourself and get off of the fence. Stop wandering around like Randy's frozen custard. Maybe that's what God's just saying to you. Maybe you need prayer for strength or help in some area or need of your life. That's part of what a fellowship of confessing believers do as we devote ourselves to prayer for one another. Because when the storms, the wind blows, the floodwaters rise, we need each other. The gates of hell might prevail against you as an individual or me as an individual. But together, there is strength in the presence of God's Spirit among us. We need the prayers. We need the help of each other. You need prayer this morning. We wrap up here. Just come on down. We'd be happy to pray for you. There's no shame in that. It's an acknowledgement of reality, the reality we live in. Here at Southwoods, we want to help you build your life on a firm foundation. So will you let us? You partner with us. Partner with us in helping strengthen the foundations of others. 
you do that. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with us. I'm going to close in prayer. We're glad that you made it this morning. Hope that you'll reflect long and hard on the things we talked about uh, this week and last week because God's dream for your life and mine is that the gates of hell could not prevail against your life because your life is built on a firm foundation. That's his dream. Let's head in that direction together, all right? Let's pray, then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of your followers. Think of Peter's confession. Think of the confession of he and all of the apostles' lives. As you poured out your Holy Spirit on them, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us? Would you forgive us of our timidity, of our uh, distraction? Because there's not a one of us that lives in this time that isn't distracted to some degree. Every one of us, so myself included, forgive us. Help us, Lord. We recognize who Jesus is and we declare him to be King of kings, Lord of lords, the ruling, reigning king of the heavens who soon will be fully recognized on earth. And we long for that day, Lord Jesus. We long for that day. But in the meantime, we recognize that there are some of us, maybe, who just need to come before you and sort of raise the white flag and just surrender. Lord Jesus, would you fill us those of us who don't know you, would you make us, make us yours? Forgive us of our sins. Heal us of our brokenness. We need you as our Savior, our Redeemer. Would you give us the courage to proclaim you in our singular allegiance and devotion to you if nobody around us has the courage to do that, God. We need your strength to be able to do that. Help us, Lord. And we ask, Lord, for Southwoods and for churches all over the land, for all of the believing, confessing fellowships all over this country and the world, Would you breathe the wind of your spirit into their sails? Would you strengthen us for Christ's kingdom's sake, for the benefit of lost people, for the salvation, protection of your children whom you love so much that you died for us? Now, as we leave this place, Lord, may these things echo in our hearts and may we be changed people because you are with us because we realigned ourselves with you. You strengthened our foundation. That's what we need. Go with us now. We lift this prayer together in the name of Jesus and everybody agreed with me and said, amen. God bless you all. See you next week.